or any notion that Christianity is some sort of otherworldly trip into Never Never Land is dispelled by the time the Lord's Prayer gets down to the nitty gritty and boldly asks for bread. Yes, the prayer begins with our Father in heaven, but now we are firmly footed on earth. And this prayer and our faith is focused on our most basic necessity, food. In praying this prayer, we are reminded that we are fleshly people. Our lives are daily dependent upon and constituted by bread. And the good news is our God loves to feed. Scripture begins in a garden, a garden filled with the most luscious of foods. And God tells those inhabitants of that garden to take and eat. And from there on, food is everywhere and bread is everywhere in Scripture. We first encounter, though, a lack of bread not that long in the story. In the latter part of Genesis, there's a famine. They've run out of bread. Joseph had already been sold into slavery by his own brothers into Egypt and has risen to second in command of all of Egypt. For seven years, Joseph predicted there would be plenty, and there was. But then for seven years, there was a famine. And Joseph led the country of Egypt into storing all that they could for those famine days. And then there was seven years of famine. Joseph's own brothers who sold him into slavery left their uh, homes and came to Egypt looking for bread during the famine. And they meet their brother, but they don't recognize him. Joseph gives them food and later reveals himself to them. And Joseph's whole family comes to Egypt to live where Joseph then provides for their daily bread. Eventually, a new king forgets who Joseph is, forgets Joseph's descendants, and takes the land from them. This king, Pharaoh, makes them farm their own land as sharecroppers and sell all that they get back to Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh gives them their daily allotment of bread. But this bread is slave bread. It's bread used to control. It's not a gift. And the people of God become slaves of Egypt. And the night... They are finally freed after God hears their cries and sends Moses that night as they prepare to leave from slavery. Moses instructs them to do what? To have a meal, a Passover meal, a meal at which they are to eat unleavened bread, bread without yeast, bread that could be baked quickly because, well, they're in a hurry. The army of Egypt is gathering together. There's no time to wait for bread to rise. And so they make unleavened bread. It's cooked quickly. The people eat that last meal. And then remembering God's grace, they hurry out of Egypt. Before they enter the wilderness, God gives them bread. While in the wilderness, they quickly become hungry. And God makes it rain manna. Some strange, super nutritious, heavenly bread that no one knows what it is. The name manna literally means in Hebrew, what is it? But it's bread. And they're told to only collect enough bread, their daily bread. No more. It's God's way of teaching them there's always tomorrow. Don't take more than you need. Only take what you need for today. Bread is all over scripture. And no matter what happens, God always makes sure... There's enough bread. Later, when the prophets imagine the end of time, when the kingdom of God will come in all its fullness, when nations will lay down arms and cease their warring plows will be beaten, uh, or swords will be beaten into plows, all will gather on God's holy mountain, crossing every line that divides, every tongue, every nation sitting together at a banquet table, 
feasting on God's holy bread, and there will be plenty on that day. No one will go without. And when Jesus shows up, he's born in the city of Bethlehem, which means house of bread. It's named because it's known in that day as being a bread-making city. Even all the way back to the ancient ancestors of Jesus, we read about Bethlehem in the story of Ruth. So it's no surprise that Jesus' ministry centers on bread. He's always eating bread and, well, drinking wine, too. One time he's at a banquet, as was his habit. It's a great party, and Jesus notices at the party that people are jockeying for seats of honor. So Jesus tells them, breaks up the the fight that's going on and says, when you come to a party, you shouldn't sit in the seats of honor, but sit in the cheap seats. And then maybe, maybe someone will ask you to move to the seats of honor, but how embarrassing it would be if you sat in someone else's seat and they told you to move. Some guy, or then Jesus continues, he says, when you throw a party, the way you should do it is don't invite the important people. Don't invite the people that love you, your families, but invite the poor. And the crippled, the lame, and the blind, people who cannot repay you, who cannot make you feel honored. And some guy at the party, after hearing what Jesus says, just stands up in the middle of the meal and yells out, Blessed is anyone who eats bread in the kingdom of God. On another day, after Jesus had been teaching for a long, long time, the great multitudes listening to him become hungry and tired. It's too late to send them away to find food. And so Jesus takes a kid's lunch, just a kid in the crowd, and multiplies that kid's bread into enough bread to feed 5,000 people plus with leftovers, an abundance of bread. The final lesson Jesus gives his disciples before his death centers on bread as he takes the bread, breaks it, and shares it with everyone at the table. It's after Jesus' death when he's walking along the road that leads from Jerusalem to the tiny, forgotten town of Emmaus. And there on the road are two of his disciples. We don't know who they are. But they don't recognize Jesus. They don't know who he is. And he talks with them all along the road. The Jesus, risen Christ, right there in their presence, but they don't see it. They tell him about their friend Jesus, their master, who had just died. And they don't see him. And they invite him to stay at their house overnight because it's getting late. And they prepare a meal for him. And Jesus sits down at the table. And the meal that they prepared, he picks it up, that bread that they baked. And he picks up the bread as if he's the host and it's his bread. And he breaks the bread and he shares it with them at the table. And in the breaking and the sharing of bread, the scripture tells us that their eyes are open in that very moment. And they see who Jesus really is. They don't see him until they see him breaking the bread. Then they understand. Bread is all over scripture. Our faith does its business in bread and wine. When we want to meet God, when we want to encounter the risen Christ, we don't go to some high mountain or some far off holy place. We go to the table, to the table that's set with bread. But here, here's where this prayer really hits home as we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We are reminded that our daily sustenance, this bread which keeps us alive, does in fact come from God. And then we experience God's presence in this bread. But there's a problem, isn't it? Maybe at this point the prayer becomes for us, at least today, a bit of a confession because bread for us is not really a struggle. Most of us perish 
from too much bread rather than from too little. As we fill that gnawing emptiness inside us with ceaseless consumption. Our bread spoils in the bread box. We don't eat the heels of the bread because we don't have to. Cut the crust off, that's okay. If we run out, we go down the street to the store and get another loaf for a little more than a dollar. But a woman in a village, a little village in Honduras, trudges up the mountain each day to gather and then carry down the mountain sticks for a cooking fire. And then she goes back up that same mountain and fetches water for cooking the food and brings it back down to her family. And she returns home and she grinds the corn that her husband had raised, hoping that the season's corn will be enough to last the winter. And then she boils a few beans, and as they're boiling, she works that cornmeal into a tortilla right in the palm of her hand, drops those tortillas into a pan, cooks them, fills them with a spoonful, maybe less, of beans, and feeds them one by one to her four children, the only meal they will have that day. And she undoubtedly prays as she does it, give us this day our daily bread. But you sense that as she prays it, she prays it a little differently than we may. Maybe we would be better praying something like, teach us to share, oh God. Or give us the grace to know when enough is enough. Centuries ago, the church father, Gregory of Nyssa, wondered at the Lord's Prayer. Noting that when one considers all the many things that we need in life, the only thing we're permitted to ask for is something so basic as bread. Only bread. And when we began this worship series on the Lord's Prayer, we noted that this prayer is not directed to my Father, but to our Father, who art in heaven. Because this prayer is a communal prayer, and our faith is communal. And here again is that pesky word, are. Wouldn't you rather it not be there? Our, our daily bread. We're not praying for my bread, but for our bread. After all, as we talked about with the kids, bread is a communal product. Now lately, Marty has taken to bread making. We've been trying to eat whole foods, foods that aren't overly processed with chemicals and with additives. And well, there's a whole lot of things in a loaf of bread these days. So if you really want it whole, well, you got to do some baking yourself. And so I bought her a mill for her mixer that grinds some wheat that we can get at the store. The kernels dumps it in there and it kind of does its magic. It's magic to me because I don't really understand it. And I'm amazed every time that this process actually makes this fluffy, edible loaf of bread that we all love. But I can tell, as she does it in the kitchen and I sit and watch TV, that it's really hard work making bread. But even then, after all that hard work, it's not her bread. It's our bread. It comes to us from somewhere. Even the seeds which are grown came from somewhere. Who saved them? Who brought them to the table? By a loaf in the store, in the list of hands that help make that bread multiplies exponentially. It is truly our bread. It is a communal product. And in being so, it is a corporate responsibility. Another church father, St. Basil the Great, once preached a convicting sermon about our excess of bread. He preached the bread that is spoiling in your house belongs to the hungry. 
The shoes that are mildewing under your bed belong to those who have no shoes. The clothes stored away in your trunk belongs to those who are naked. The money that depreciates in your treasury belongs to the poor. Now he preached this sermon roughly 1,657 years ago. And we're still trying to learn that lesson. Maybe it's good that we pray this prayer every Sunday. Maybe if we don't already, we should take to praying this prayer every day. Give us this day our daily bread as our daily prayer. For daily, we need to be reminded that it is our bread. And our daily bread is not ours to hoard. We share because what we have is shared. It belongs to the community. It is God's gift meant to be shared with others, not hoarded in the kitchen. In giving us this gift of daily bread, God gives us a daily responsibility as well to ensure that our neighbors can also share in God's good gifts. There's one more story about bread that I didn't mention earlier. It's from a parable that Jesus tells towards the end of his life. It's the one about sheep and goats, the sheep being the good disciples, the goats being the bad disciples. At the end of of time, Jesus tells the story, there's going to be a king who will separate out the sheep and the goats, the sheep and the goats. Come inherit the kingdom prepared for you, he will tell the sheep, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you took care of me in prison and you visited me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when, did, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in a prison? And the king will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did it to the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And then the goats, well, the king will tell the goats, well, let's just say it doesn't quite end the same way for the goats. To share bread with others, Jesus tells us, is to share bread with him. To withhold bread from others is to withhold bread from Jesus. And so we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Teach us that all that we have comes from you. Help us to know when enough is enough. And teach us to share. Amen.